you are listening to Jump the Creek, and I am one of your hosts, Ben Tolson, and with me is Jacob Tolson. Hello, good morning, or afternoon, or evening. I called you Jacob, but you go by Jake. I, I Yeah, it depends how old you are. At work, I'd like to introduce myself as Jacob, but Jake is just fine. Why? Why is that? I'm curious. Is it? Is it kind of like a respect thing? Like, yeah, Jacob yeah. sounds more mature. Yeah, like I'm. I'm okay if you call me Jacob. And also, my name tag says Jacob. <laughs> I'm not going to talk to every person and say, "Oh, please call me Jake." Yeah, that makes sense. Meanwhile, my full name is Benjamin, but nobody. Nobody calls me Benjamin. I don't even like to say Benjamin. It's just, it's too much. Ben, that's it. It's just Ben. Just Ben, just Jake. It's Ben and Jake. Yep. And by the way, uh, so we are brothers, if that wasn't obvious. And I wanted to kind of use this first episode. I'm going to call, I'm going to go ahead and call it an episode because we we may go ahead and publish this one as our first one. But I wanted to use this episode to kind of tell the story behind Jump the Creek and talk a little bit about what this show is going to focus on and um, and why you and I, as brothers, decided to start it. it, it everything kind of begins, in my mind, with the story behind Jump the Creek. Like, that's... That's a very specific story from our childhood, and I would like to hear you tell it, Jake, if you don't mind. I would be happy to. The way I remember that 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 morning, we, we had um, gotten new clothes. We were in Colorado visiting our grandma with our family, and uh, we had, our cousins were there. Like they lived nearby. And we're all at the same place in this trailer in Montrose. And we had just enough time before church that morning to go mess around. And there was a creek behind the trailer that we would play around in sometimes. And you and uh, Eric, our cousins Jacob and Eric, were there. And you and Eric jumped over the creek. Which is, it wasn't mm-hmm. a big creek. It wasn't like that impressive. Right. But I I know that you you were making sure I knew that I couldn't do it. And I was set on proving you wrong. So I jumped the creek. But then I also didn't jump the creek because I landed in the creek with, uh, with all my new clothes. Yeah. And... I think it was like the day before we had gone, we like we picked out these new outfits and we got some family photos taken and we didn't, we didn't get a lot of like new nice clothes back then. So it was kind of, it was kind of a big deal. It's like, okay, boys, these are, these are your nice clothes. We're going to take pictures in them. And then tomorrow you're going to wear them to church. And it wasn't like, it, it wasn't just like, they were like, you need to think of this as a big deal. It was kind of a big deal to us too. We we're like, oh, look at us, you know? 
Yeah, I in our I in proud. our nice clothes. Yeah, I knew that we looked good. So yeah, you didn't make it, and we ended up having to, you know, confess to what we had done. And we we thought it was funny. The adults didn't think it was funny at the time. And I think you ended up having to wear somebody's shoes whose whose yeah, feet were bigger I, than yours. Yeah, they were like clown shoes. Big shoes. And I I was upset. I remember being like mad. And I I think I remember trying to talk my way out of going to church and just being like, hey, it's fine. I'll just stay here. Yeah. But they made they made sure I had some type of things on my feet and pants to wear and I was going to church. That was the end of the story. <laughs> and when you're that young, what can you do? You just What can you do? <laughs> fun fun fact, if I'm if my memory serves me correctly, you were sporting a mullet at the time. Oh gosh, I hope so. I remember having a mullet that might have been during that period of time. I'm I'm pretty sure if I if I look back at the photos, if if it's the family photo that I'm thinking of, I'm pretty sure you had a mullet. And that yeah. might have been why you didn't make it all the way across. <laughs> it could be, I guess. There's no uh no proof one way or the other, but who's to yeah. say that wasn't my downfall? So you and I talked about starting this podcast and it was actually an idea that I brought up originally because I I thought it would be fun to talk about some of the memories from our past to talk about some of the things that we're experiencing in the present and kind of just offer our perspective on those things um but also and this is this is kind of driven by you and and your personality I I think of you as kind of a hopeful person and that's always been something that I admire. Um, and so we, we wanted to focus this podcast and I'm, I'm going to, uh, I'm pretty sure this is going to be in the description somewhere, but we want to focus the, the podcast on three things. Um, a nostalgic look at the past where we get to share some of the stories from our childhood an honest look at the present and a hopeful look at the future. And this is the, the, those three things coming from the perspective of brothers that were raised in various types of circumstances. Um, and so we have a lot of, we have a lot of fun stories to look back on, um, good and, and bad memories, both. And so the, the Creek story is, really just one of those that kind of stands out in my memory and I, but I think it also makes a great metaphor. Um, so that, that being kind of a nostalgic look at our past, you know, that, that time in our lives when we would go and we would spend a couple of weeks or we would spend the summer at grandma's house in Colorado and get to, you know, walk down to the, the swimming pool and, spend an afternoon swimming and going down the slide running around in the the kind of like wilderness area behind her house playing around the creek um you know watching watching disney movies 
from cassette. You know, do you remember those? Like they opened like the clamshell uh, cassette holders. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we were fortunate to grow up in a very specific era. I mean, for me, it was 85 on up. That whole time was uh, pretty special. Yeah. And some sometimes you'd put in you'd put in a, a Disney tape and it would have soap operas recorded over it, unfortunately. Gra- Grandma loved her soaps. To be a, a kid that was growing up in like the late nineties and was sitting there watching some of some of the soap operas um and actually getting pulled into it and invested in the storylines i'm i'm right there with you so so much drama so much drama can you believe what he did but but the metaphor i think for jump the creek is kind of this idea that you know when when you're a child and you're having all of those experiences and your parents and, and the grownups in your life teach you things about how the world is and what it looks like and, and how to think and, and feel about those things, um, that you're kind of on one side of the Creek and at some point you grow into adulthood and you jump the Creek and you kind of see the world through your own eyes and you start to, think your own thoughts and feel your own feelings about things and maybe see things that um, you didn't see or you didn't understand as a child. And every one of us, no matter, you know, no matter how we get across the Creek and what we look like on the other side, um, every one of us ends up kind of having a different experience, something that's, um, that belongs to us. And so I felt like that was, I felt like that was kind of an important metaphor to bring to the show is that, you know, like we, we look back with nostalgia on the past, but we also recognize that we've grown into um, who we are today shaped by those past experiences and also kind of learning to see the world in our own way. And that, that brings us to this honest look at the present and some of the things that we're seeing in the world. And then turning that because now, you know, we're raising our own families and are um, teaching, teaching our kids about what the world, what the world is like and how to see things and, and trying to figure out, okay, how do we, how do we ourselves maintain a hopeful outlook on the future, but also pass that along to our kids? So I don't know, did I, do you feel like I summed that up well enough or do you have anything to add to that? Yeah. I mean, you, you totally, it was all encompassing exactly what we're working towards here, recognizing and understanding our stories the best we can and use it to help, um, all the mental health of ourselves and others. And trying to understand and move forward in the most positive way we can. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I mean, we're we're going through 
obviously something that's completely unprecedented in modern history. And of course, I'm talking about pandemic. Um, but you could you could say that about a number of things going on in our world right now. And but I would I would say that probably the most significant one is um, just the past several months of having to have quarantined and doing remote learning with the, the kids and um, all of the stuff that goes with that, not not being able to spend as much time with family outside of the house, not being able to spend as much time with friends. And um, and then you you add on top of that, you know, all of the other stuff that's going on in the world, some of the the political and social unrest and and the the polarization that comes from that. And um, it's it's a lot, you know, and these are really these are really heavy things. And I I think back to when I was a kid. And knowing, knowing what I know now about some of what was going on during that time in my childhood and wondering, you know, how aware was I and what are, what are the conversations I was having with my parents about those things? Um, and I, I don't know, I don't know about you, so I'm, I'm curious to know your answer, but I feel like I don't remember a lot about any specific conversations around some of the issues of our time, you know, and, and to, to give this some context, I graduated in the year 2000. So I was entering adulthood right as like nine 11 hit. So I would say that before that, the, the period of time before that was relatively uneventful. Um, though there was, you know, there was still stuff going on. Um, but I just, I don't remember having a lot of conversations with our parents about those things. What, what about you, Jake? Well, yeah, it seemed to be just about kind of making things work and trying to figure out what to do next. I mean, there was a, I mean, moving a lot, we moved from California to Colorado and then we lived in like three different places in Colorado. Um, I remember living in the camper in the national forest for a time and then living in Cortez and then moving to the cabin. Um, you know, and everything was more about like, this is what we have to do now. And, you know, just kind of trying to live life and get by, you know, day by day, month by month. But I do, I do not remember a lot of what you hear a lot today of just opinions about politics and social economic issues and the environment and that stuff was not something that we ever really had talked about around us when I was young that I remember. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't really like those topics didn't seem to rise above the surface and were mostly, I, I feel like kind of eclipsed 
by just the reality that we were living in. And not that, you know, like you mentioned, we moved from California to Colorado and lived in three different places. And then, you know, there was a time when I chose to move from Colorado living with our mom to Texas to live with my dad, uh, to live with our dad. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's my dad too. After you're right. <laughs> after, <laughs> um, and, and our, our parents had divorced when Jake and I were both, uh, fairly young. Um, but that was, you know, like that was a, a pretty significant thing. And then you and I were apart for a, a number of years because of that. And so just, it feels like the, the volume of what we were experiencing in our personal lives was just louder than the, yeah. the volume of the things going on in the world. And I, f I feel like in some ways for, for my kids, that's kind of flip-flopped. Like yeah, I, opposite, I feel like, totally. yeah, yeah. So, and, and I'm, I'm kind of curious to know, like, cause Milo is, is fairly young, your son, my nephew. Yeah. He'll, my, my son Milo will turn five this coming month. So. Yeah. So, and, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking about, um, Asher, my youngest, he's five and you know, we haven't, we haven't really talked with him about stuff, but he's definitely very aware of the fact that there's a pandemic. And I'm, I think that there is definitely in his mind kind of a difference between what, what life was like before the pandemic hit and what his experience is now. Like he's, he's, <laughs> so we, we, uh, even though our kids are doing remote learning, we still, every morning, we all walk down to the school because the school is like half a mile away. Yeah, we walk down to this to the school, to the corner where the school is, and then back to the house. And it's kind of this ritual that we have to feel some sense of normalcy. Yeah, I've heard of other people doing similar things like that, like even driving around before they have to work from home. Yeah, yeah. Man, it's just, you know, whatever you got to do to stay sane uh, during this crazy time. So we, we do that. And he, he was, uh, the boys all love to either ride scooters or rollerblades or whatever, you know, kind of wheels they can. And Asher is, uh, he's five, right? So he's most, most proficient at like riding a scooter. He can't ride a bike yet. That's on me. I haven't, haven't helped him with that yet. Um, but he did start because his brothers love to rollerblade. He did start riding on rollerblades. And so he went out kind of like for the first time and he was rollerblading down the sidewalk and we were go walking toward the school. And one of, one of the people from our neighborhood was out like doing, doing a walk exercise kind of thing. And Asher didn't see him until like they were right on each other so they were they were both on the sidewalk kind of heading toward each other and so he looked up and he saw this person and he veered to the left and jumped off of the sidewalk onto the street and it was actually super impressive like his form and and the way that he stuck the landing like he didn't and he he didn't even like lose his balance or anything 
it was like his instincts kicked in, but it's because, you know, like we've, we've told him about trying to maintain distance and stuff like that. And so like his immediate re reaction to seeing someone that he might get close to who wasn't in our family was, Oh, I gotta, I gotta jump off the sidewalk and get away from this person. <laughs> and so it was cool to see him do that one, but two, I hate it. I just hate it, yeah. you know? And I don't, I don't want him to develop that instinct and then like things go back to normal and he's still holding on to that, that instinct of, Oh, I've got to separate myself from people. You know, it's just, it's a strange thing to be like, Oh, good job. And gosh, this sucks at the same time. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I, and, and the pandemic is like, you know, that's the major headline right now, but there's a lot of other stuff going on in the world. And I'm curious to know, like, have you had any of those conversations or, or, you know, talk to Milo on some level about some of those things? Yeah, I was going to, I was going to ask you, do you, um, when you talked about it, like with Asher, do you say, um, something in particular about how, how it is or what it's called or how, how, how do you approach it? Do you, do you say the pandemic? Yeah. I mean, and, and this is kind of my thinking on it. Well, and I'll, I'll say this first as a family, we tend to have fewer like one-on-one -on -one conversations about things. I do. We do a little bit more with some of the older ones, but a lot of the conversations we have about stuff, um, are conversations that we have all of us together and there are eight of us, you know, so like taking the time to go to each child individually is just not sustainable. Yeah. Um, and so we've kind of, we've kind of adopted this idea or this kind of, um, practice, I guess, of just not shying away from using certain words, uh, and phrases. So the word pandemic, it sounds like a scary word <laughs> okay. and it is, but, but, but it is like pant because, because you, especially if you think about like the way that pandemics are portrayed in movies and stuff like that, it is, yeah. it is a it scary is. thing. Like it there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with, with that. Um, but the way, the way that we talk about it, the tone and the significance that we give to the words I think carry more weight than the actual, like, you know, value of the word itself. Like the word pandemic means a, a widespread, uh, I, th I think it's like the uncontrolled spread of a disease. Um, which again, like you, the word disease is, is terrible. Like it just, well, it, it carries all this baggage. But if, but if we, but if it was like, we're sitting down at the table and we say the pandemic, da, 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 you know, like make yeah. it, but if we're, but if we're like, yeah, we're, we're in the, we're in a pandemic, you know, and just kind of like the, the tone that we're using and the way that we talk about it and the way that we're expressing ourselves as we're talking about the, these things as the adults give our children cues about how to think and feel about those things. And so it's not, 
like uh, so so anyways our philosophy has been we're not going to try to use different words we're not going to try to use different phrases like we might not get into some of the specifics like i'm not going to i'm not going to sit down with asher and be like you know more than 200,000 people have died and they suffered and were had to be intubated and they had uh yeah. oxygen that, and had to be on like like i'm not going to get into all of those details but i'm also not going to shy away from using certain terminology if it's accurate you know yeah as as long as as long as i can um say those words in in a way that's calm and i th i think they take those cues and then it doesn't it doesn't carry the same meaning um, or the same, it's not like as emotionally charged as we think of it when we hear it said like by the news media and see it in newspaper headlines and stuff like that. Like it doesn't have that same bite. Yeah, you, you can definitely give power to your words and the way you say them. Um, we, I don't know exactly how it started, but um, Milo refers to all of this as the sickness, <laughs> which is also kind of like, oh, it's scary. But um, that's just the way he he has come to talk about it. And he will bring it up every once in a while. When's the sickness going to be over? And, yeah. Uh, it's just, he's he's dealing with it fine. He's totally... Um, on board with wearing a mask and he's he's good at that and yeah my my kids are actually like i went and bought new masks from the store because they're about to go back to in-person learning yeah and i had to tell them to stay out of them like they were excited and trying to decide who was going to get which mask and like because they you know they have different patterns on them or whatever and and i think it's it's kind of this thing like sometimes sometimes we in the way that we talk about things or the way that we um explain certain things can inadvertently tell our kids how to think or feel about something like in a way that they wouldn't otherwise like on their own you know like oh it's a pandemic you should be freaking out you know, but if they're not freaking out, like why, why make them feel like that's how they have to think and feel about what they're experiencing? You know, so like, like you said with Milo, he seems to be doing fine. You know, for him, he, he feels safe and you as, as a parent, you've taken care of him and you, you've made sure that he's, um, not, uh, being exposed to risks and stuff like that and so like from his perspective he doesn't really have any reason to think about the pandemic as this really stressful weighty thing that a lot of a lot of the world does um and and so like it's really it, it can be hard because you know like we have we have a completely different experience with it but but to not to not put that on our kids like oh this is 
I, I don't know why you're not freaking out. It's a pandemic. You should be freaking out. Like, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to do that to our kids. It's a gift if they can go through this time and actually have, um, a calm and, you know, stress-free experience. Yeah. I think it's a bigger deal than some people think. Um, this is, uh, going to be, you know, a year and a half, two years, maybe two and a half years, hopefully no more than that. It's a big chunk of a lot of people's lives and a lot of children that are going to be growing up. It's something that is going to be remembered for sure. And to uh, approach it in a careful way that you're also trying to be safe is is almost an art. I mean, it's difficult to navigate without going too far in one direction or the other. Safety first. Wash your hands. You know, wear a mask, obviously. Social distance. All those things. And I, I work at a hotel. Um, I was furloughed for several months. And now going back to work and... You know, we're, we're sold out two or three nights a week, and it's a large hotel. So I'm around everyone, and I get to see all manner of people. And um, most, most people really embrace the importance of, you know, trying to be safe and being respectful, which I, I consider wearing a mask and social distancing and stuff to be uh, it's a respectful thing to do around your fellow humans yeah absolutely well and and we've been i think i think a lot of people have kind of been sold this idea that if you if you wear a mask and if you social distance i don't man i don't like that that term because you're really just like physically distancing yourself from people. Yeah, you can social still, distance. You can still be. Yeah. You can still be social, um, but, but not you know like, like not going out if you don't need to. Uh, those those kinds of things have been equated with like, oh, the people who do that are like panicky and scared and and. And so I, I feel like there's kind of this false idea out there that doing those things equals fearfulness. And, and I think the thing that I'm trying to exemplify and like pass on to my kids is you can be honest, you can be honest and realistic about the risks. You can understand to the best of your ability what steps you can take, what reasonable steps you can take to mitigate those risks. And that knowledge, like knowing what actually happens if you get infected, knowing how, uh, like what, what scientists understand now about how the virus is transmitted, like knowing those things is you, you don't seek out that knowledge to fuel fear, you seek out that knowledge so that you have a better understanding of how it works so that you can prevent 
risk to yourself and other people. Yeah, I feel like a, I feel like that's simple concept of knowledge is power. I mean, yeah. So, but it's 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 an act like you said. It's an act of respect for your fellow human being. I'm fortunate to have my wife work at a hospital, and she has talked to doctors and nurses that have had to deal with the virus. And so I've got a fairly close to firsthand experience just based on how they have dealt with it and what, what actually is happening and how people are treated, which really brings it, um, it brings it home and makes it real and to have that knowledge and it not just be something I heard or saw on a news network or the radio or somebody told me, but to have somebody that's in contact with people at the hospitals that are working with this and have weekly meetings about what their next step is. And I'm privileged to be close enough to the situation in that respect to have the respect of how important this is. And that's something that's not as easy for everyone to do. Yeah. And so, you know, some people like, like you are kind of gifted, if you want to use that word with, (laughs) with I'm special, right? You'd like you, well, gifted with the direct knowledge, gifted with, um, exposure whether you like it or not to the reality of what's going on yeah um but other other people need to seek that out and seeking seeking out the the truth is not something that you do to fuel fear it's something that you do so that you have the the knowledge to act in a respectful and kind way to yourself and to other people. Um, and I like, I personally, I feel like the opposite is true, is true of like, like folks who are, are looking for conspiracies or, you know, like denying or, you know, saying that it's, that it's fake or I feel like there is more comfort in trying to believe those things um and what is really going on is there is kind of this sense of fear and to deal with the the discomfort of that fear they're looking for a way to to delegitimize their fear and and i think i think what we should be doing is we should say yeah we have a reason to be afraid this is this is a big deal but there there are things fire is hot yeah but there are things that you can do like fear fear is a good thing when it when it shows you the real risk to to yourself and to other people of harm and then what you do is you take that and you turn it into action that protects you and protects other people so anyways i we could we could go on about this all day um 
But I kind of I want to transition here and talk a little bit about because you said, and and I kind of agree with you of, with this idea of like this could be with us for you know two two and a half years before we ever see something that looks more normal, you know. And for our for our younger ones, like that's a significant chunk of their life. Like imagine imagine at our age, I'm I'm a little bit older, <laughs> but imagine that for a third of your life uh or or a little bit more you were going through this like how that would that would be for me that would be more than 10 years like can you imagine yeah um it's it's all about perspective in my mind because it's difficult and it's um sad and hard to deal with all of this and there's so much uncertainty and so many changes that everyone's having to make but that is not a new thing in the perspective of normal everyday life for any particular person on the planet i mean the hardships that people have to deal with always are there depending on where you live it could be one thing or the other and to have the perspective to know what you are dealing with and what other people have dealt with and what you can handle and how you handle it it all it all sounds easy but it's hard for everyone and it's always been hard for everyone life is um I could say life is a struggle, but it's not. It's more like life is just, it's a constant work of, you know, doing the best you can and making the best of what you have. And that's a hard thing to realize constantly, but that is what we all have to do. For our kids dealing with this right now, it's it's going to be something that they will have dealt with and they will take with them and have learned from it. So it's, it's going to be a thing that will make their future different and the way they react to things different. It's well, and that's, that's kind of the, the question that I wanted to ask now is what is, you know, after, after we're out of this, whenever that is, what is your hopeful look at the future for Milo and his experience and, and, and so like, that's kind of what you're describing right now. But, um, but I wanted to see if you could answer that question a little bit more directly. I hope for him, the same thing I did before this happened and just that he would continue to understand that he's a part of, um, all of this in, it's his job to be humble and loving and kind and to respect himself and everyone else. And this, like other things that could happen, is if you approach it the right way, can be a very strong character building kind of situation. I mean, you're, you're having to learn almost every aspect of how to 
be respectful and treat others and stay calm. These are all things that you hope to teach your five-year-old kid. And this is a time when he's learning a lot. I mean, his, his brain is a sponge right now. So mm-hmm. it's a really good opportunity if you're a parent of a young child to instill some really good things because he's, he's going to see other people doing it too with more, more than he normally would have. So that's a positive kind of outlook on how this can help him in the future. During, during the course of, you know, our, our quarantine and, and not being around other families and friends and stuff. One of the, one of the things I've seen my kids do is find creative ways to make connections with their friends that aren't always necessarily in person. And one of the things I'm really hopeful for is that we're starting to understand how much, um, feeling connected to other human beings affects your your overall health and well-being and that this experience kind of underscores the value of making and maintaining connections with other people um and and my hope my hope for them is you know like i don't i don't want them to feel like desperate for human connection but to to recognize that during this time it was just a little bit harder to make those connections and because of that they have an they have maybe just a little bit more appreciation for making and maintaining connections with other humans and that 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 ends up being something that helps them in the future just be better connectors and I know like for myself, that's something that, um, that's something that I definitely took for granted. I mean, you, you and Megan lived in Texas just three miles away from us for years. And I feel like we talk more now (laughs) than, than we did back then, you know? And, um, and so like, that's, that's one of those things that I, I really hope for them that they just have have a deeper understanding of the value of connection and are more motivated to make the effort while while we were in quarantine we kind of struggled with gosh we know we don't want any anything bad to happen and we don't want to expose ourselves or milo to the sickness as he calls it but yeah we also really were like, gosh, he needs to be around kids because I'm childish, but I can only do so much. Yeah. Like we wanted him to be around other kids. And you, you are lucky in the, in the sense that, you know, your kids can kind of deal with they, each other. Yeah, they, they have each other. <laughs> and that's, that's something that is, you know, like we're, we're super fortunate for them to have the ability to play and, and spend time together, but you know, they get, they also get tired of each other. Yeah. Well, that's how it goes. But I, I feel like we touched on all three themes. You know, we talked about just sharing the origins of jump the Creek 
talked about our past and uh, spent quite a bit of time talking about. I, I'm I have a feeling the pandemic. Um, it's not going to be a major theme, but, but it as will long come as it's going it's going to come up. It's going to come up, and we might talk about it from time to time. But there's definitely um, many, many other more exciting and fun things that we can talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, by the way, I mean, not to change the subject, but I uh, I did my early voting. I got my sticker. Oh, yes, fantastic. I I voted by mail, so we'll see how that goes, I guess. That's that's going to result in some kind of fraud or something. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Do you have a, so do you have a way to <laughs> check? Do you have a way to check your ballot to see if it was received and counted? It's state by state. There are different things, but I mm-hmm. understand that um, if there's something wrong, that I'm supposed to be notified. Some of the things that can go wrong are um, something wrong with you know address or. Uh, I guess the thing I've heard most about is they couldn't verify your signature, which kind of sucks because everyone signs things differently. Yeah. I don't, my signature, it's like, it's got a, it's got the same basic shape every time, but, uh, but like one is definitely not identical to the other. I hate signing my name. It's the worst. I worked at the bank for too long. So I just kind of have like a initial signature. Yeah. No, I definitely like, I, I start kind of with the first letter and then it's just like a, some wavy lines. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. All right, man. Well, this was this was good. I'll uh I'll cue up the outro music, and I think uh, I think we'll wrap this one up. Cool beans. I love you, brother. I love you too. I'll talk to you soon. All right. <laughs>